you know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast, the only podcast that has gone from League 2 all the way to the Premier League. That means we are the longest running Luton Town podcast. Uh, I'm Kev, your host as always, and alongside me for this Wolves preview episode is the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. James, how are you doing mate? Yeah, good mate, feeling good after last weekend. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Plenty of positives. As we spoke about in the Fulham Review podcast, if you've not listened to that yet, that has dropped. Uh, Check that out because there's lots of good sort of info in there, particularly for those of you that didn't go to Fulham because obviously Match of the Day didn't really give you a particularly good uh, reflection on the game. But uh, that's behind us and we have got a game to come. I should just say, if you hear some music or stuff in the background for this episode, we are recording with some ent- at the Hightown Club and they've got some entertainment on. We've done everything we can to down us out all of the background stuff, but you might just pick up the odd little bit. But um, Life still goes on, doesn't it? We're in a, we're in a upstairs in a pub, so... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Someone's having a good time. As we are. And hopefully we will be on Saturday, James, because this is it really now, isn't it? You know, we've had our kind of four preview games for the Premier League to get ourselves up and running. We said in that Fulham review podcast, we're at the level now, performance-wise. This game against Wolves, we the performance is almost irrelevant now. This is the one, get more goals than Wolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the easiest thing in football, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it is, because uh, these are going to be one of those teams that have to finish above. And um, yeah, they've got three points on the board but they beat one of the other teams we're going to have to finish above as well so um, yeah a real huge opportunity at home uh, to get the points that we've we've said should have come already they haven't um, check out the other podcast you can see why we won't go over old ground but this is a massive game absolutely massive before we get into the ins and outs and the wherefores of this game it's very rare that two teams in the same league play a pre-season friendly against each other, least of all one 10 days before a season starts. Can we take anything from that game at all? The fact that we didn't lose it, obviously, was, <laughs> was very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Well, we might be able to take that. It could be another nil-niller. Um, well, we are, as we said in that last podcast, we're not conceding a goal in this game. We've gone 4-3-2-1 for goals against. So, I mean, Kaminsky can have his feet up with a clean sheet guaranteed if uh, that trend continues if indeed it is Kaminsky in goal we have highlighted in the last podcast rotation is going to happen but I don't think it's going to happen in goal I don't I don't see it in goal really um yeah yeah I, I think you probably shouldn't have gone for that ball uh, but it's happened and Fulham won and yeah if you're looking at the numbers purely as a sort of silver lining uh, then yeah we well, I'm also looking at the fact that Matt Macy kept a clean sheet against this lot in that pre-season friendly. So, uh, you know, he's obviously off to pastures new, not seemingly not good enough for a Premier League team. So that in its in itself kind of bodes well as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. Um, I'll let go of the straws now. I've stopped. I've, I've stopped clutching, <laughs> clutching at them clutching. now. Yeah, I've let go. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they are a team that have flogged all their best players, aren't they? And, I mean, there weren't many, to be fair, were they? Yeah. Were there? But yeah, I was trying to think where um, Traore went because he was probably their best. Well, they, it, they've gone. They're Fulham's feeder team, aren't they? Because we just played against Jimenez and Traore didn't even get in the team. I'm not sure how that worked out, but um, yeah. And uh, apart from the fellow that gone to Man City, I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they. You've got to look at it and yeah, they scored a goal against uh, Liverpool um, at the weekend. But I think if you listen to any Liverpool side, if you listen to the Klopp's um, post-match on that one, apparently Liverpool had a shocker in the first half and um, and then it went from in the second. But they don't, I mean, they've, yeah, they, they, they sold that Matthias Nunes and they sold... Triore, they sold their captain, who was Ruben Neves when it went to Neves gone to the for the Saudi, Saudi money. money. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that, Cody obviously um, now at Leicester. Yeah, and uh, there was another, and yeah, as we mentioned, Triore also. Sorry, not Triore. You mentioned Triore Jimenez at Fulham. Yeah, um, and they haven't really replaced them with anybody of note, I suppose. And the most you've got to do really is make them feel that at, at Kenilworth Road, make them worry that they're going to be the first team that's going to lose against Luton, pile all the pressure on, it's possible to do so. Uh, and of course, key is going to be um, the home crowd. You know, Like we said at the last game, but for me, the atmosphere wasn't as good as the ones, the two games that we highlighted beforehand from last season that we hoped they would, I think probably now it's got to be, it's got to be right up there. That and um, you know, now, now's the time to really make your voice heard if you're if you're going to that game. It's a sellout as, as it should be, um, but yeah, um, everything there for me is set up that Luton can get a positive result, uh, and like we say in the previous games where the performance has been high, but they haven't got the rub of the green. Uh, can't be relying on referee decisions and VAR and this one. You've just got to stick those two chances that they had at Fulham. If you stick those away, you win the game. And this is what it's got to be at, at home now. You, the ruthlessness is the key. You can't keep talking about it. You've got to show it. Yeah, I think we've shown, certainly at Fulham, as we said in the last podcast that we did we've shown now that we can contain sides now we've got to get in front in a game I think if we get in front in a game I get the feeling we'll be good front runners because if we get in front and then we drop back to play how we played against Fulham we have got that pace now going forward where we're relying on counter-attacks and we can hurt teams but we've also shown at the same time that Sambi and uh, Nakamba can sit in front of a back four or five make it really hard to break us down so now we're at that stage now where the performances are to the level. Not, I mean, obviously they're not to the level of Brighton and Man City, and but they're not going to be not this quickly anyway. Um, but f- for the teams that we need the performance levels to match, I think we're there now. Now it's all about getting that ball in the back of the net, getting in front. That will get the crowd going. It will turn. It would be just like the Watford game, the Sunderland games, and everything else. And then we'll make it intimidating because you were absolutely right after the West Ham game, they killed the crowd by boring the life out of us. Yeah. But I can't see how Wolves can do that. They've conceded 11 goals in five games. 
One more than Luton. One more than Luton. Admittedly, the one, but like you say, they played Everton, which kind of levels that out a little bit. Uh, and actually, they conceded. No, sorry, they kept a clean sheet to Everton. So the only clean sheet that they've kept all season. They actually lost to Man United, which is a good effort these days. Um, <laughs> so, but more importantly, I mean, Brighton opened them up. Uh, Crystal Palace opened them up. And the longer yesterday went on, uh, sorry, Saturday went on, Liverpool opened them up as well. So I can't see how a Wolves side can just bore the game. They don't seem set up for that. They seem to have like, they they seem to rely on flair. And Well, they sold all their flair, so it was, but that's yeah, the thinking, isn't it? But you know, the, the ones they've got left, and we'll come on to the Nettos and the Cunhas of this world um, shortly, but it, it's a game that feels just feels to me this one's got goals in it and I know that's a dangerous thing to say but it does it, you know certainly for us I think we showed at Fulham I think you'd say man for man that that Fulham front unit's better than this Wolves front unit um, we've shown that we can contain one of them was Wolves wasn't he yeah exactly uh, we've shown that we can contain these sides now now we just need you know impose ourselves on that other end and um this is the game to do it. It really is. And I'm sure the boys will have uh, that rammed down their throats all week. Ruthless in the box, ruthless in the box. The defensive box, perfect against Fulham, bar for the one where the goalkeeper just puts it in the path of the strike. If that goes anywhere else, we keep a clean sheet. But it's that other one now. When the ball comes to your feet, be responsible enough to put it in the back of the net and be the hero. Because whoever scores that first goal on Saturday, you know, and we go on to win the game... He's going to be remembered because it'll be our first prim- ever Premier League win. You want to be that person, don't you? Yeah, um, they'll all be aware of that. I, 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 no doubt, absolutely no doubt. I think, um, you know, it, and if you're talking about atmosphere as well, then the first goal always helps at Kenilworth Road. You know, it did in um, Sunderland, it, it did at Watford, obviously, but there was something about those games that were different level anyway before then, and we've got get to that point of thinking you know I know it works both ways but you know this is this could be the only shot at the Premier League it, you know probably won't be in the long term long run of it uh, we, we all know what's what's happened uh, with the club to put them in this position and uh, they can go again but we don't want to think about that you've got to make the most of the chances put in front of you and yeah it just feels to me that you've got to make that a cauldron atmosphere because if it isn't I don't know. It sort of makes me worry for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think the onus is on the players here, isn't it? For the first 20 minutes, get after them. It's, we always, when we talk about good atmospheres, we always talk about Watford and Sunderland because they were the two most recent ones in memory. But go back to the first playoff season. Bournemouth at home, went after them, got 2-0 up, incredible atmosphere, and obviously the scenes right at the end will never be matched. Notts Forest that season, on that Good Friday that felt like a big game, much like this one does. Alan Campbell gives us the lead, place is absolutely rocking. Notts Forest didn't cope with it. So I'm sure the boys are going to be told, first 20 minutes, just get at them. You know, whereas against Fulham, we were a little bit timid and a little bit safe. Just to, Basically, we tried to do what West Ham did to us. But what we didn't realise was there was no crowd to <laughs> silence. To do that at Craven but, Cottage, you know, yeah. but that was basically the game plan, you know. I mean, they always say silence the crowd, even if there's 50 people behind the goal or whatever, it's to silence the crowd. But this time it's not silence the crowd. This time it's get after him and get the crowd right behind you. And, and we're usually very, very good at that under Edwards. We usually really come 
flying out of the blocks. And to be fair, against West Ham, Barkley had a shot that flew across the face of the goal. There was another one as well. It might even have been Barkley's shot. Two corners that Burke and Anderson should have scored from. So we're very, very good at doing that. But now, we, but when we, if we come out of the blocks in those twenty minutes, and I wouldn't have thought Wolves are stupid. I don't think they're going to fight fire with fire for twenty minutes. They're going to try and soak up the pressure and, you know, kill the crowd that way. If we can get that goal in that time, like we did with Gaybosho against Watford, like we did with Gaybosho against Sunderland, then we build from there, don't we? And uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's whether they've got the quality to do that. I mean, West Ham undoubtedly have they're having a storming season so far and decent one last but yeah Wolves are are they that team I don't think so no I don't either I think that's that's I mean 11 goals against in five games tells you tells you they're not that team don't they well exactly yeah and um, they've got you know Craig Dawson who's a useful basic defender isn't he Um, and if there's any game where Carl Morris needs to impose themselves it'd be against the likes of him if indeed that's the formation they go with I guess um, you know, I don't see that Morris wouldn't play but um, yeah who knows what that formation is going to be you know we talked about the 4-2-3-1 for Fulham didn't happen and in hindsight you could probably say well yeah maybe that was because it was an away game and you don't want to go too helpful leather, particularly after what's happened in the first two games, especially. But this is home game, isn't it? The onus is on you to go a bit more attacking, and I hope I hope that that's what we see because if they can really start well, then it's going to be a memorable game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, we'll come on to our team selection in a little while. Um, let's let's have a look through the Wolves kind of setup. Um, it's funny, actually. I said this before we started recording the podcast. I've never had an interest in Wolves. Not a particularly glamorous club. Not really a side that I think, oh, Wolves are playing today. I'll sit down and watch them. But because they're a side that we, we probably have to finish above if we're going to stay up, suddenly I find myself watching every Wolves game that's on television with an actual interest in it. Uh, they look particularly strong through the centre of midfield. They have some, you know, They have people that carry the ball quite strongly. But that's good for us because... They're running into Marv and Sambi and that's our strength. Where we've been done is in the wider areas. Even again at Fulham on Saturday, the, the only time they got wide and in behind was when they scored. But from what I've seen of Wolves so far this season, they tend to play their threat through the middle rather than out wide. So hopefully that don't change. Well, yeah, it would play into the hands. I like the way you're already on first name terms with Lagonga. Well, middle name terms. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, like if he's got Sambi on the back of his shirt, he's Sambi to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's who you've got to go with that. Um, no, but he, he, he was particularly good on Saturday. And yeah, hopefully he, he does t- turns it on as well for the home fans because he, he could be one of those players where it makes a difference, particularly in a game like this, I think. Um, in, the, in, the, in the attacking sense, I'm thinking more than the defensive sense, which is what we've been told he can do, much we've we've seen flashes of as well. So yeah, if you can do that and, um, you know, works it, uh, works it more with the attacking players that will play, you know, we'll come on to who we think might come, might play for that one, but whoever it is, there's got to be that spark and that impetus, isn't it? He could be one. Um, who knows if Barkley's fit, if, 
it's a hamstring they can be tricky on it but if he comes back great um you know it's just one of these games where i think good old fashioned health for the luton is probably going to serve them well yeah i'd be absolutely amazed if uh, Rob Edwards doesn't get that message out. Um, I'm absolutely certain of that. So Wolves' strength then, I mean, I, even if you don't follow them particularly, but, you know, you just keep an eye on the league. Pedro Neto's a name that springs up quite often. He'll usually play on the left of a front three, can be a little bit deeper into midfield, can come kind of in a 10 formation. I guess that's one of the reasons why he stands out because he never stays in the same place, but he's a threat that we'd need to stop. Yeah, and when when we were looking at this to pick him out, that was the one that really stood out for me because he had a fairly good game in the first half against Liverpool. I watched it back uh, and he's got good touch and not afraid to take on players uh, and he got in behind a couple of times against them. So that's one player to keep tabs on. And yeah, you're right, the way that he can play along the line is fairly tricky to um, tricky to mark, but surely not if they... Pl- if and play uh, Nakamba and Sambi. So hopefully that nullifies that threat. And then you're looking around the team as to where, what else they've got. I think um, uh, he Chan scored the goal and he it came close in the game before, something like that. But they've, you know, they've really sold their attacking threat so far and they've yet to come up with another one. That's not to say they won't, but hopefully not at least. At Luton, um, and you've just got to, you know, that. That's the sort of the pressure you've got to put on them. It works both ways because Luton aren't scoring. Oh, let's not make any bones about it that Luton haven't scored enough goals or put the chances away, but they are creating the chances. So um, they could probably be saying the same about Luton. But um, at home, you've got to, you've got to press that advantage for sure. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned um, Hechan there obviously scored in their last two games uh, I the other one who scores for them is Kaladzic but he always starts on the bench but he's bloody huge I remember in the friendly that we played against them I mean this bloke is enormous you've got to be looking 6'8 at the very least I mean he, he uh, this is assuming his head doesn't fall off when he walks down the tunnel actually because he's <laughs> going to have to go down on his knees I think to get out of that Kenworth Road um, tunnel he's huge but he's, he's likely to come off the bench based on what they've done previously. So the other one that we would need to keep tabs on would be Cunha in midfield. He's that person who I I referenced earlier who picks the ball up slightly deeper. I suppose they'd call him an eight in today's world, wouldn't they? And carries the ball and tries to commit defenders to then play the ball through for runners. But I mean, he he particularly stood out at um, Manchester United on the opening uh, opening week of the season, albeit probably stood out for missing from two yards when he hit the post when uh, it was easier to score. But he, he feels like a threat but as I also alluded to a minute ago, he's, you know, if he's running through the middle of our midfield, he's running into Nakamba and Sambi Lakonga, and you're like, well, thanks very much. That's even if he gets that far, I suppose. The middle is um, quite well stocked in the formation that has been And played. also, of course, he won't have much space in the middle because, you know, Molyneux's a darn sight wider than what Kenilworth Road is. Yeah, yeah, I was watching, like I say, I watched back the, the Liverpool game and not really ever paid attention to it. it always gets talked about but it did look a bloody big pitch and they're not going to get that space at Kenworth throw for sure and the crowds are miles away in Molyneux absolute miles away because he saw um, he's a football player that scored the last goal oh Harvey Elliott Harvey Elliott yeah, he, he jumped over the 
hoarding and he had to run a marathon almost to get to the van. So, so um, yeah, you know, who knows whether these things play a part? We like to think they do, but uh, and we ha- I mean, we've got, we've seen it, we've seen evidence that it's happened at, at Kenilworth Row because the fans are so close. But then the, there's got to be that sort of uh, ferocious atmosphere. That's why we need thing, that yeah. twenty minutes. Come out the blocks, get everyone going. Yeah, yeah. Even if we don't score, a few hard tackles, you know, the things that get the crowd going, a few shots whizzing past crosses or whatever. I mean, like you say, there was there was that against um, West Ham, but then they just pulled the pants off. But this is a team that's gone to Europe and nullified teams, isn't it? So they're used to that. True, true, true. Yeah. um, Yeah, there was that. Um, But it 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 was noticeable in that game, wasn't it, how every... Pass inside and outside of that back and forth, just sort of really quieting down the crowd. And I guess that's the challenge, isn't it? Really, to not let that affect you if it happens. But I wouldn't have thought that Wolves be doing that. No, everything that I've seen would suggest that um, if they do start doing that, they're going to come a cropper. Uh, certainly, the game against Brighton. I watched the the game against Brighton was the week that we didn't play Burnley, so. Um, I went to one of the pubs that have the old streaming um, kits up and then they had the Wolves Brighton game on. It's sports bar, so they had them all on. So I watched that game because we just played Brighton. So I thought, well, I'll watch that game just to see, you know, it's a kind of yardstick of where we were against Brighton. And actually, as it turned out on the two performances, Luton and Wolves, we probably looked better against Brighton from the sense that they only scored goals three and four deep into the game, whereas against Wolves, they, they were four up after about 55 minutes. And the Wolves' goal only came after they declared, basically. I suppose if if you're looking for yardsticks as well, there's that, and there's obviously the the preseason game. It's at least level pegging, isn't it? Um, and then you've just got to think of if if ever there was a time for the home atmosphere to have that extra effect, um, it's that. But yeah, I'm, you know, time will tell. After this, we'll see. But whether that needs to be spoken about as 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 important as it has been is maybe a thing that I'm slightly doubting at the moment, particularly after Edward's comments about changing the team to fit the opposition, which seems relative. It, it seems perfectly sensible. <laughs> That's what you should be doing. Um, particularly with the squad he's got uh, at his disposal, whether it's more about, whether it's less about the occasion and more about these tactics and and the way that he plays, um, you know, which if you, if you put in a performance like you did against Fulham, albeit the goals didn't come in that game, you do that against Wolves, and I think you win. Yeah, I think the important thing with the crowd is just being the game loon. Whilst we're in the game, whilst we're getting encouragement, even if the goals aren't coming, if the chances are coming, or the good football that we play at home is is coming I think the crowd will be with us I don't think but if you know if you concede early that's the fear then it's like oh shit this is a real big game And although I mean yeah because it is a big game and I think people recognise that because already last before the Fulham game in the pre-match presser the uh, Edwards was getting asked about the next three games and he sort of had to fend it off fend off the he understood of course he understands the question because they are big games and there's no getting away from it but because they are such 
important games and important results. If that does happen, say, and Wolves go behind, I think that probably has the same effect, really. That that has, in previous seasons, gone that way and it's really riled up the, the crowd. You just don't want that to be happening. At the moment, while goals are hard to come by, Luton need to be scoring first. Yeah, we. I mean, we hope, don't we, that goals are only hard to come by because the players at the attacking end of the pitch are forming their combinations, finding their feet and and everything else. Um, certainly the chances aren't f- being hard to come by in the two games that carry any relevance. I think we were all agreeing that the first two games carry av- absolutely no significance. And in time, the West Ham one won't, apart from the fact that it was the first home game. But it'll be interesting to see how we go about attacking in this game because I think we were all kind of expecting to see Gio Ogbeni start at Fulham, mm. but that didn't happen. But it'll be interesting to see if he starts here and we do play sort of a three up front and some sort of a four three three formation um, because obviously we've got Brown and Morris, but they just it just felt at Fulham that it just needed one more. There was still that little bit too much isolation and I know Brown kept on dropping deep and he's got the legs to get up with Morris. But it's a tough ask to do that week in, week out. So if we could have two of them doing that, one getting much closer and then the other one sort of supporting as and when, that would be... And, and I, know, I know the wing-backs are, um, are going to do that as well. But again, the more people we can get forward in this game, Particularly, if we, I think we're safe in making the assumption that Ross Barkley won't be featuring hamstrings don't repair themselves in seven days. Um, the more people we can get around, and, and Chong would be a big player as well. Um, and obviously, if Sambi can leave his sort of def- the defensive part of his midfield and push on a little bit, and just kind of force sort of four or five in their half of the pitch, it would really work. But it'd be, it, I'd be interested to see if Ogbeni gets in from the start because, yet again, when he come on against Fulham. The 15 minutes that he was on the pitch were the 15 minutes that Luton were in there half the most. Yeah, I've, like I said, I've everything I've seen of him has been really impressive. It's whether he can turn that into a starting performance where you're probably going to play at least 60 minutes, you know, something like that. Um, and who, who are we to say? We haven't seen them in training do that, but you know, he's, he, he turns in good performances for his country when he plays there and in those impacts performances for Luton there's there's a lot of promise I think it's the pace element for me is what swings it for me because if you're going to go for health for Levin you're going to have to do that there's no point being timid about it really Um, and so that's why it would be good to see him get a start I think I think you know if it's happened if, if you take the other side of it, we've talked about Brown and how we thought he deserved to start because of his performances. And obviously he was getting into good positions. He scored a goal against Gilliam and he's got into good positions. He's more of a striker than Benny is, obviously. He's played as a wing-back and a winger when he was at Rotherham. But the same applies, I think. If you see enough of those players and Edwards is talking about changing it and mixing it for the the particular opponents um, that's not me basing it on Wolves at all it's me basing it on you know being at home and having to really rally the troops and rally the the crowd for that first that opening period of the first half then surely that is, is an option Speaking of options the 
consensus going into the Fulham game was that we need to manage Amari Bell's minutes. But this would probably be a good game to do that because Ryan Charles made his debut. Sorry, Ryan Giles made his <laughs> debut for yeah, a long way from, from Ryan yeah, yeah, Giles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it might be the longest running Luton podcast, but we're not running that long. Uh, Ryan Giles, excuse me. <laughs> Made his debut for Luton, um, or his second appearance. I think he did actually come on against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but obviously put that crossover that Elijah converted only for some linesman to be a jobs worth and put his flag up. Um, but this is kind of, at Fulham, it felt like the role of that left wing back was more the defensive role rather than the attacking role. But this would feel like a game where you want your wing backs to err on the side of attack rather than defence isn't it and Giles a stat was sent through to me on the Luton Town Supporters Trust um, Facebook actually and I'll keep on talking whilst I try and um, get the statistic up it was about Ryan Giles and his crossing so far now this was before Saturday against Fulham where obviously he didn't play um, Ryan Giles made 19 crosses from open play in Luton's three Premier League games this season averaging 6.8 per 90 which is the highest player highest of any player in the Premier League with 200 plus minutes although Luton have played a game fewer than 18 teams only Pedro Neto who we've already flagged up and Lucas Dinia have uh, had more open play crosses than Ryan Giles so this would feel like Bearing in mind this is a home game, the onus is on us to go and win the game. Potentially, this could be a game where we sit Amari and we put Ryan Giles in there to have that impact with that crossing. It's between the lines uh, Twitter feed, actually, that sent that to me. So shout out to them. I don't disagree, um, but I just don't see him dropping bell. Uh, well, maybe he has to go back into one of the centre-half roles then, but then which one of the centre-halves do you drop? Yeah, I mean, a minute they've been quite good, haven't they? So, but this yeah. is his, if he's going to make his rotation like he alluded to after Fulham, he's going to have to make these tough decisions, isn't he? Yeah, but, you know, every manager says this, but there will be a core of players, whether it's two, three, four, five, that will always play. Um, Lockyer will always play because he's a skipper, for instance. I don't think... I don't think they he drops Kaminsky easily, and Bell seems to be ever present because he's he's travelled halfway around the world um, all, all summer and in the last couple of weeks, and he's still played. So I think he probably still gets in. I don't disagree about uh, Giles. I suppose that it's one of those things that you can statistics can be moulded any way you like, really, because yeah, he's done that, but a lot of them haven't been. Connected with maybe some of them are good. some of them have been good, but there's we spoke about it about two or three episodes ago where there hasn't quite been that connection with the forward line to know where he's going to be putting it, which seems odd really because he can whip a ball across the six yard area like probably no one else is. Why he's been bought, isn't he? Because of his ability to do that, all you've got to do is gamble on the space and and be in there for it. But um, yeah, maybe that takes a while to build up. But well, I suppose you're are you the chicken? Or are you the egg in that situation? You know, is it the crosser's responsibility to put the ball on the striker's head, or is it the striker's responsibility to make a good, to make the most of a good cross? It's like I don't, I don't suppose it matters as long as the ball ends up in the back of the bloody net. But I suppose if he's putting that volume of crosses in, what did it say? Six point eight crosses per game. So call it seven crosses. Surely it's down to your striker to actually get his ass on the end of one of them. And actually, some of those crosses. They have got on the end of. They've just missed. 
you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one that stands out for me in particular was one in the West Ham game. And it was only because he was right in front of me on the Bobber side and he whipped it in and there was no striker with Stood him. Stood watching, yeah. Yeah. And and if you if you went on the the adverse point you meant, if is it his job to put it on the striker's head? Well, even if he did, somebody's going to have to do a worldy header from, you know, 15 yards to get it in. Whereas if they gambled to where he did put it, whip it into the box, then all you need to do is the slightest touch and you're hoping that that goes in. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a training ground thing. I think you've got, got to work that on. But, um, yeah, you want to see Ryan Giles at the moment be more attacking because defensively that's probably why he came out for Fulham. Yeah, that would be an interesting um, selection down that side. And I guess the other kind of thing would be do we stick with this back five or do we or is this the game that finally we surrender that for the for the extra attacking body and and play a back four and it, and if we do play a back four obviously one of the three center halves is going to be left out you've just alluded to the fact it won't be Lockie unless he's injured because he's captain quite rightly so I can't see how it can be Reese Burke because he's the best defender at the club when he's fit it's harsh on Mads Anderson, but he wouldn't be saying to Mads Anderson, look, you're never going to play again. It's literally, we need a back four for this game. We need more attacking bodies at the other end of the pitch. Ultimately, someone's got to be sacrificed. It's you because the other two are, are there, Mads. But I doubt Reese Burke would play the 90 minutes anyway, so Anderson would still come on for 15 or 20 minutes. It just needs must for, I mean... We're probably wrong to call it a must-win game because there's 33 games afterwards, but it's, it's, it's more the overall it picture, like it. isn't it? It feels you know? like it. A point's not going to be too bad, but at home, I think people will come away going, well, we should have won. If, if, if it was a performance like against Fulham, you've yeah. got to put away your chances. And also three here sets you up lovely for Everton, sets you up lovely for Burnley, and all of a sudden you're going into that Tottenham game potentially on six or seven points. You're... 14th in the table or whatever you have a good crack at Tottenham and then you've got the international break after that whereas if you don't get that here then you're going to Everton you're like oh shit we really can't not get something from this game and that pressure just mounts yeah, and then mentally the, it, it slumps doesn't it and it's so it's not a must win game it's not it's not a six point relegation job on September the 23rd or whatever it is but just for the feel good around everything of what's to come and everything else it feels like a must-win game. So I don't want to call it that, but it's, you just feel that an extra attacking body in this game compared to the Fulham game would be needed. Yeah, for me, I, I think you sacrifice the defender and go the four. And um, would it be Mads? If those are the options, yeah. They are, they are the options, aren't they? So, um, yes, and that's through no fault of his own. But we're not talking about keeping people in because they've played well we're talking about now swapping the team to win the game of football to meet the challenge that's in front of you and that feels like the right thing to do whereas actually when we do this Everton preview podcast I'm almost certain we'll be saying yeah get Mads in there because Everton are going to be direct they're going to rely on set pieces Sean Dyche only ever manages one way that leopard definitely ain't changing its spots so we'll be like, no, get Mads in, get Mads in. And then we'll probably be saying, well, actually, this is a game where we don't want Ryan Giles. No, again, no disrespect. But we're going to want people who deal with an aerial threat against Everton. Mads Anderson's right up on the top of the list. Mm. So you're right. It's, 
it's the ultimate horse for the course, isn't it? And this this might not be Mad's course, but Goodison Park very much will be. Yeah, yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But absolutely, that, that's the sort of thing I think we're talking now, isn't it? That um, we've got to be looking at the home games in particular to press that advantage, press the the Luton factor that we've seen in the last uh, couple of seasons, particularly last season, obviously. Um, because there's a sense, I think, among certain supporters, and yeah, I mean, sort of engaging this off social media posts was not always the best gauge, but they've there's there's a feeling, I think, that they just need to play how Luton play, and they're basing that off last season, which is go at that team. And I think, you know, there's nothing that I've seen from Wolves this season which makes me think you need to be tentative at all. And also, if 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 it is mad, if we do drop a defender, and it is Mads, and we do get in front, that extra attacking player can then come off, can't he? And Mads can still have that role to play. So you're not writing him off the game completely, but you've got the you don't want to lose this game because you've got an extra defender on the pitch to an extra striker on the pitch. Is yeah. basically where we're coming from. And if you've got the you've got the insurance now of Sambi there with Marvellous, you know, that's that's the purpose of that. So you may as well use it. And give um, Sambi the license to go forward as well. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that I've seen from Wolves so far that makes you wary of too much of the threat. Apart from Neto, who I think is a tricky player, um, then you can keep him contained. Get on the front foot. Yeah, that's why Ogbeni might be... Uh, horse for this particular course because him and Kabore down that right hand side might kind of double up on him and just nullify his threat and then of course you've got Gio's pace and indeed Kabore's pace going in the other direction uh, okay then James let's finish off this preview podcast as we always do with our score prediction uh, I always ask you to go first so I'll go first this time I I, I really think I, I'm really gaining confidence with the performances that we're doing. And I don't think these chances are going to keep on getting missed. I think it's one of those, funnily enough, after just playing Fulham, London buses jobs, Mm -hmm. that when one goes in, I think a second one will follow it. And I look at the big games of last season. You know, we've we've alluded to it twice, three times, God knows how many times actually in in this podcast. Watford was 2-0, Sunderland was 2-0, Luton's first Premier League win is going to be 2-0. Yeah, see, I was going to go for two goals, Luton, but I was going to say 2-1. You ain't following the old pattern, are you? You've completely <laughs> forgotten the pattern. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been talking about it, but yeah. I mean, that can't go on. It's just pure fluke, isn't it? But um, What happens, though, after if we keep a clean sheet? Because there's no such thing as minus one. Do we keep a clean sheet forevermore? Is that what? Is that how it goes? Or do we go back to four and start the process again? I hope not, because obviously <laughs> the one after is Everton. Well, I suppose after that, then you're just into winning territory after that. You've dealt with all the defeats and all the goals. So, yeah, but, yeah, I don't probably see it's going to go like that. But I think there's going to be goals in this one. Um, and I'm only giving Wolves a goal because Lewin have been so generous this season. And I think that might continue. But get an early goal. I see him going 2 and up, actually. And then Wolves make it a bit nervous. That's probably, that seems like a very Newton way of doing it. Not last season, obviously, but whenever people talk about it, then, um, yeah, it's going to be a nervous one. Yeah, the first Premier League win probably won't. I hope it does come quite comfortably and hope my 2-0 prediction 
does ring true just for the sake of all of our tickers more than uh, anything else. But yeah, James could be right. It might we might have to do it the Luton way and uh, bite a few fingernails um, along the way. That's our score predictions. Let us know your score prediction uh, in the comments, either on YouTube or where you're picking up the podcast, or indeed uh, on our social media feeds at Luton Town ST. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Our thanks as always to the High Town Club for staging us uh, for this episode. Our thanks also to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro and to Ed Smith Creative for all of our designs, both on this set and indeed where you've picked up this podcast. Thanks very much for watching or for listening. Please do like, subscribe, rate, anything that you can do to enhance our um, appeal for this podcast the bigger and better we can make it the more podcast and the better podcast we can deliver for yourselves james thanks very much for your thoughts and for your company and um well very much this time come on you atters Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul.